Let's stand for the reading of God's word from Ephesians chapter number six. Uh, I'm compelled to speak to you about the importance of the altar. You see this, we have one here, and some people that we know who, who really grab hold of God in prayer understand the importance of having a place in their home where they seek the face of God and they pray and they meet the Lord. I would to God that everybody had in your home your own closet, your own altar, your own place to meet him. Now, you don't have to have a wooden thing like this to do it, but sometimes it's good to have a spot you go to because in Scripture, you note that not only did they build an altar to meet the Lord, but they would come back to that altar time and again when they were going through seasons of life to meet the Lord again to be refreshed again. So it's good to have a spot and good to have a place of connection. So hear the word of the Lord today. Let's read this together and uh, let's join together in unison reading it. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. It's a powerful truth because it says praying always with all prayer. Supplication means that you get in there and it, it's bared before the Lord. Your soul is bared before him. In the spirit, it's spirit directed, being watchful to this end with all perseverance. You don't quit. You keep pushing forward. You keep going back and supplication for all the saints. So Father, thank you for this great truth. We need a word from you, so release illumination And may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. In Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. I'm looking at this truth, and there is great alignment required in order for us to see all that God has for us come to pass. For the things that God wants to see happening in our lives, There has to be an alignment. We have to get in alignment. God has not moved. If he he feels far away from us, it's not because he's moved. He's still in the same place we have, right? We need to get in alignment. The Bible speaks of blessing with tests and trials. And for some who are overwhelmed with tests and trials and persecutions, look in the other direction once in a while. Get your head out of the negative because there are great blessings in the midst of your storm. When we know something's about to break through, when we have a word from the Lord and an assurance, God's about to do something great, why why does he stretch us and press us to have to go to a new level? That's a good question. I've asked it. We add fasting to prayer. We continue to upgrade our commitment level. What we're praying about God has already taken care of and passed it. And what does that mean? While you're waiting on what he's already done, he's setting you up for the next assignment. He's already down the road ahead of us, way beyond the moment that we're in. And the things that we have in view, God has already passed by them and taken care of them. He's already aligning you and getting you into position where you're going after that blessing. So we're in a critical day in a critical time in our culture. Be careful who you let into the front row of your life. Be careful. Some some you need to move on from, and some you need to back away from. 
because you don't want to be around negative people, especially when you're in a storm. People who always have a complaint, people always are complaining to God about life and complaining to others about their circumstance, and they're like energy vampires. I mean, they, they take the strength right out of you. I thank God for his kingdom assignment. Calvary, you are destined to walk in your kingdom assignment. So we need to be singularly focused on the goal of his kingdom assignment for us. Realign yourself with that assignment he has, your assignment. Stop focusing on yourself. And remember, there are people all over our planet with far worse conditions than you have to endure. So let me say it again, because you didn't get it, right? There are people all over this planet living in far worse conditions than what we have to endure. That's why it says, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for the saints. The greatest weapon in your arsenal is prayer. It's prayer. And I know for some people that sounds, well, that's boring. No, it's the greatest weapon you'll ever have in your grasp. Several years ago, I was looking at the prayers of children because I find them fascinating. And I find it very fascinating when I ask little children to pray. Go ahead and you pray. And listening to what their prayer, they're so transparent and they're so innocent and full of faith. And I get, I get a chuckle out of listening to kids pray. Several years ago, I shared some of those prayers with you. I want to revisit a couple of them with you. One boy prayed, now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, wake me up. Cool. And some other prayers kids prayed. One said, God, I read the Bible. What does the word beget mean? No one will tell me. (laughs) Another prayed, God, instead of letting people die and having to make new ones, why don't you just keep the ones you have? Interesting prayer some kid prayed, right? It's a good question. Another prayer from a child. Dear God, was it that, what does it mean that you are a jealous God? I thought you had everything, right? And then I substituted my name in for this last one. Dear God, if pastor is a friend of yours, is he a friend of yours or do you just know him through business? Are you a friend of God or do you just know him through business? Put your name in there. That particular prayer sums up the prayers of way too many. Most prayers among many people are transactional. In essence, God, I will do this if you will do that. Way too many prayers are knowing God through business. People are negotiating, propositioning. The word sometimes calls it tempting God. Not a good idea. People deal with God as if he's a lawyer and only secure his services when they find themselves in trouble. When you need to work out a business deal, oh, now I need to talk to the Lord. When, when you want to get to know somebody, like, oh, have him look in my direction, Lord, because I think he's really cool. Transactions, business deals, arranging who to know and how to know them. In essence, people are attempting to transact business and not develop a relationship with God. You could actually walk with God for a long time and call yourself a praying person or a Christian, yet not be growing any closer to him or maturing in your life. 
You can walk with God for 10 or 20 years and your relationship doesn't deepen, nor does your power intensify because you never go deep. You can say, still, well, good morning, Lord. Help me have a great day. And that's about the size of the prayer. I've been praying for a long, long time. But that doesn't touch it. That's only good for baby Christians. That's not good when we've matured through the years. Like with your spouse. There must be intimate conversation. Discovering things even after years of marriage because you're there talking, you're being transparent, you're communicating, you can say you're talking to God, but that is not a prayer that alters you even if you're talking to God because the essence of my prayer should be at the end of the conversation, God has begun to alter my life. I don't know if what you're saying is exciting him or you're being excited about what his plans are in your life, but we should get excited about what God is revealing to us about the future. And after you've prayed, do you waken the next day thanking God for the connection that carried you through the night because you went to sleep connected with the presence of the Lord. So you awaken thanking God because your time with him was wonderful and you're refreshed even when you awaken in the morning. I submit to do. You can be born again and powerless. I'm taking this time because when most people talk about prayer, they really think they are praying. And so when it gets quiet, just accept the fact that the message is for your neighbor, not for you, okay? Well, I pray, Pastor. I pray. Do you pray or do you transact business? Do you pray or are you just a reporter? Well, I was praying and I apologized to God and I said, I'm sorry. Listen, everything that you've been praying, he already knows. Would you speak with your closest friends like that? How dare we pray the same things we've been saying telling him stuff he already knows. So what you need him to work out, well, I need you to fix this. And some people think they work for the NSA. I tell God what's going on. I'm his informant, and I let him know what's happening. Prayer is the most powerful force on earth. In our day, Christianity is how many conferences can you attend? (laughs) How many prophets and prophetesses can you go see? The stronger the prayers, they render the adversary powerless in your life. Prayer knows no boundaries. Your spouse can be in L.A. or at work, and you can change things in their world because prayer knows no boundaries. Prayer is not limited by time or space. Now watch, because prayer is not limited by time or space, you're living off of the prayers of some who have already passed on and gone on to be in heaven. Because here's what it says in Revelation, the four living beings and 24 elders fell down before the Lamb. Each one had a harp and they held gold bowls filled with incense, which are the prayers of God's people, which tells us those prayers are before the throne and they are still active and they are still powerful. I just proved it to you from the word of the Lord. They got their prayers into the atmosphere and those prayers are still working. You need to get something into the atmosphere that is bigger than you getting by this one day. You need to get your bloodline covered in those prayers. So even when I'm gone, my prayers have covered my bloodline. 
You don't want to obtain victories in your bloodline. And then in the next generation, they come along and repeat the same old mistakes, the old familiar sins that have been in the bloodline. And you need to tell your children, listen, we broke the spirit of poverty 20 years ago in our bloodline. That's over in our lineage. We broke the spirit of divorce in our bloodline 25 years ago. And we're not going back to that. Let's deal with the next item on God's agenda so that we can keep cleaning up our bloodline going forward. Everything God has is accessed and has our disposal through prayer. Create an altar in your life because the altar, A-L-T-A-R, will A-L-T-E-R your heart. It will alter you. Everything God has for his children, all of these things are accessed through prayer, which is a def- the definition of is relationship. That's why children need a good relationship with a father, their biological one, if possible, so your children can call you and talk and have communion and commune with you and fellowship with you. Yet some of these prayers of your children are still in the transactional stage. They tell you what they want what they need, birthday coming up, this is what I want for my birthday. But what they have to learn, what they want and what they need, they have to ask for birth out of a relationship with you because they have common ground with you as family, not because you owe me, not because I'm obligated to do it because you're biologically a part of me. Prayer is relationship. It's communion. Prayer is necessary for your spirit. It is as food for your body. And prayer changes the inner world. And when your inner world is changed, the outer circumstances begin to move. Prayer causes peace in the presence of trouble. Because you have fellowship, even when you're in a difficult spot. And he said, I'm a very present help in time of trouble. That means when I'm praying, I'm looking for his present help. My spirit is communing with him. I expect him to show up. That's why he says, I will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on me. And God says, while you're walking through stuff, if you'll just keep talking to me, I have you covered. I know what that means, right? You see me face to face and work. I've got you covered. And that's what the scripture means when it says to make his face to shine upon you. You have face-to-face communion with your Father. Amen? You're going to be covered. Prayer not only changes things, it changes people. And the only way to get the strength of God in your life is through prayer. You're going to have to seek the face of God. The only way to release His power is through prayer. His power is obtained through prayer. It's released through prayer. Now, here are some principles you might want to write down for future reference. First of all, prayer pleases the heart of God. It brings pleasure to the Lord when you come looking for him, seeking him. He says, pray at all times, which means on every occasion and in every season, not just good times, tough times, not just tough times, but when things have gone perfectly in the spirit, be directed by the Holy Spirit with all manner of prayer. So you can stand up, sit down, kneel down, lie down. You can walk around. You can come pressing in, You can come with a relaxed conversation and entreaty 
To that end, keep alert and watch with strong purpose. Go Know where you're going with this and perseverance, which means you don't quit even when it doesn't turn out immediately the way you want it to. Interceding in behalf of all the saints, God's consecrated people. Prayer is not just a part of your spiritual armor against the devil. Prayer is what we do to touch the heart of the Father. Through prayer, you relate to God. You begin to know him as Father. Not transactional, not a business relationship. You're building a relationship with him that helps you conform to him. Prayer refreshes you. Prayer begins to have dynamic change ability in you. If God had a list for your life, the things that you want the most, well, I, I want to get that new apartment and I need to get that new house, that might be down on the list of God's to number 20 or 30 or even 100 because God's number one desire on his list is to reveal himself to you. That's what God desires above all. Has anyone here in the spirit caught a glimpse of God's character? And that's not a trick question. A a glimpse of God's character. You entered a place with him and you saw an attribute of God that he revealed. It refreshed you. It energized you. It drew you in. It captivated you. It left you in a state of awe. You could hardly talk. It wasn't just on a Sunday morning. It was day to day. In certain seasons of your life, all of a sudden, God gives you a revelation of himself and it carries you. And it will carry you for days and weeks because you got a glimpse into the character and the nature of God and you're hanging on to that picture that God gave you right through the middle of your storm. Now, God can't give you too much of himself at once. If he did, you'd fall out and die. You would. So he gives you a snapshot glimpse in prayer. When your heart is right, when it's attuned to him, it gives God pleasure in his heart because he's had a moment to show you what he looks like. And then everything in your life begins to light up because you've got a revelation of some part of his character. Now, there's no music in the world like worship music that takes us into the presence of the Lord. No music in the world comes close. And while you're in praise and worship, listen, there's nothing like singing and worshiping our God. The right kind of music plays a very important role in the ministry of the Holy Spirit. The Bible reveals that people were moved to prophesy under the blessing and anointing of musical instruments. The company of prophets, 1 Samuel 10, had musical instruments with them when they were prophesying. It says, as Elisha began to prophesy, he called for a stringed instrument to be played. He said, but now bring me a harpist. And when the harpist began to play, the hand of the Lord came upon Elisha, and it says, this is what the Lord says in 2 Kings 3 and 14. Very important is it to have the right anointed person to lead worship in a service. Thank God we do here at Calvary Christian Center. Amen. We are so highly blessed by that. One who knows how to create the atmosphere for the Holy Spirit to move through music. Because the wrong songs can hinder a service like the right songs can bring us to a higher place in the spirit. It's important our worship. Some of you used to sing 
when you were high on something. Then you used to sing. Some of you have your playlist that you have plugged in to your earbuds. But when you open your mouth, so it's different, folks. You might not have rhythm. You might not have good pitch. But when your spirit is right and you're worshiping God, something inside of you is energized. Something starts to transform. You get pushed into the presence of God. If you were tired when you started, somehow the spirit of heaviness lifts. There's energy that pours into you. God wants to give us more of his presence, and more presence equals more power. Amen. And when you know daddy is with you, you're not afraid of stuff that other things that you ought to be afraid of. That's the power of knowing he promised never to leave you. My daddy will never abandon me. My daddy will never hurt me. My daddy will never walk away from me. I spoke with him this morning. I'm still speaking with him right now as I'm speaking to you. And he's right here in this place. And he's given me his authority to make demons want to run away because we're living in the presence of the Lord. Why do you think the number one tactic of the enemy is to get you to stop praying? Because it distracts you from your power source. He, the enemy, will let you meet people who will distract you. He will help you fall in love with him or her to pull you away from your call. He will get you a job that causes you not to be able to show up on a Sunday, on the Lord's Day. He will get you so invested in some sport that before you know it, you're gone on weekends. And then your child grows up And they walk away from the Lord, and you go, what happened? I can tell you what happened. Don't ask me, because I will tell you what happened. You develop a habit of playing with your phone during the preaching of God's Word. The enemy will drag you down. Listen, he is not playing games with you. He will destroy you in a heartbeat. And you won't get fed, and you'll get so weak that you can't even pray about your relationship. There are seasons when the most powerful of saints get disconnected from the Lord because there's this horrible storm brewing, but your dry spells get too long because you stay away too long from the source of water that you need to quench your thirst. I'm speaking to your neighbor again, so disregard. And this is why you have to understand. Be prayerful. Rebuild the altar. Make it something you can't do without. And so I've challenged the people on Wednesday night for 30 days because it takes, listen, it it, it takes about three weeks to get rid of the discomfort of changing your patterns. And you've got to change your patterns. And it will take about three weeks of discomfort to change them. Then the next three weeks to rebuild them And go to prayer every day, read the Bible every day, memorize a portion every week, and watch how your life will get transformed. Watch all the things that... Rebuild the altar. God will do transformational work. And be on guard and be on alert because every day that goes by, you don't commune with the Lord as another day you've been distracted from the purposes he has for you. Because what the enemy wants to do is stop you from talking with your daddy. And if he can present enough stuff to distract you, so you start talking this way, horizontally all the time, and not vertically, this way. 
You're talking to your friends about finance. You're talking with your friends about another deal. You're constantly horizontally talking. You're talking about friends and their relationship and your relationship. And they're only only speaking out of their own minds into your spirit. We need to elevate. We need to talk vertically. We need to get a better view. We need to get God's perspective. Listen to me. We're seated together with Christ in heavenly places. We need to sit up on high. But if he can get you low talking, if he can keep you texting until you fall asleep while you're texting, talking to people, rehashing your circumstances, rehashing what you're seeing and experiencing, then they will project gloom and doom into your spirit. Be careful when someone starts to want to come into agreement with you. Don't sit up there saying, well, it's too touching in agreement. That works forwards and that works backwards. There can be a blessing and there can be a curse. You can agree with someone about something that is not God's will and bring it to pass. There's power in agreement. So when someone comes to you and says, Well, I need you to agree with me, and you sense this is not what I think God wants to do. You need to look at them and say, about what? Explain that to me. Or maybe you're answering me, well, I'll get back to you after I prayed about it. So it's important to touch the heart of God with hearts that are full of prayer. Amen. Second, prayer affects the lives of others. And Paul told Timothy, therefore, I exhort first of all. In other words, I'm telling you with all authority That supplications, these are all expressions of prayer. Prayers, intercessions, giving of thanks be made for all men. For the kings, and we don't have a king, we have a president. And perhaps things are so divided because we haven't been praying for our leadership. And all who are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. And everyone here who hasn't prayed a prayer for our leadership you feel like your life is not at peace, this is probably why right here in this passage. God says, if saints don't pray for their leaders, we will not be able to lead a quiet and peaceable life. It will come back on you in negatives. Pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. And pray for me too. Ask God to give me the right words so I can boldly explain God's mysterious plan and the good news for the Jews and Gentiles alike. Prayer gives you the ability to have an utterance to open your mouth without hesitation. There are so many saints who don't pray correctly and they have very little spiritual authority because what they're saying didn't come from God. It came out of here. And pray for me too. Ask God to give me the right words so I can boldly explain God's mysterious plan that the good news is for the Jews and Gentiles alike. Only through prayer will God give us the ability to affect others. Prayer gives us bold utterance as it reveals the mysteries of God. How do you get the attention of people who don't know the Lord? How do you draw them into a place where they become interested in the things of God? Because you've been praying and God gives you a word. God gives you an utterance. He gives you a word of knowledge, gives you a word of wisdom, and you become fearless in your boldness. You open your mouth boldly because you are about to unveil a mystery to them. And when you open up a mystery for those who did not know, a light all of a sudden comes on in them because they were waiting for someone to release what has been in them. 
And God's using you to do that. Praying always. It refers to repeated and continued prayer. You are to pray with all prayers, all kinds of praying. That includes praise, thanksgiving, intercession, with focus on godliness and the greatness of God's character, the excellence of God, his magnificent greatness, the glory of the Lord. This prayer thanks God for everything. God already knows you need clothes. He already knows you need a roof over your head and food on your table. Your heavenly father, Jesus says, knows that you need all these things. He knows it. God already's got that covered. But you're coming to give him thanks for being the almighty God, being wonderful. Thanks for being the prince of peace. Thanks for being the everlasting father. Thanks for being your healer. Thanks for being the sovereign. Thanks for being Jehovah Jireh, your provider. Thanks for mercy. Thanks for your graciousness. Thanks for your forgiveness. I come boldly today to bless your name in my house, in my car, on my job, in the grocery store. I am here as an offering of thanksgiving praise to you. That's how we live our lives. But we've made it a song and not a lifestyle. You don't only praise when music is played in the sanctuary. You adopt it as a lifestyle. That's why I miss some of the old saints. They've gone on to be with Jesus. The the old saints always had a praise on their lips. Always talking about the Lord. They didn't have a conversation. But what Jesus popped up in the middle of it. Jesus wasn't only at the services today at church. He was at the grocery store when you met them. He was at the barbecue when you met them. No matter where you met the saints, man, there was always a conversation about Jesus. When was the last time you prayed for the greatness in someone else that God has placed there? Instead of criticizing your children, call those things that are not as though they are. When have you prayed for the greatness you saw in them? Call them by name. When I pray for my lady, sometimes I go right into the Lord's Prayer. And Father, let your great kingdom fall on Donna and be expressed in her life. May your perfect will be done in Donna's life. Allow Donna to flourish and allow Donna to grow and develop in her understanding of you. Get the name of your family out into the atmosphere every day. And just in case there's an assignment against them, you pray for them and don't allow the enemy to steal from them what God has for them. Ask God to send angels to push them into their destiny. When's the last time you offered a greatness prayer for a member of your family, for your friends, for spiritual leadership? When have you agonized? Not about your bills. When have you agonized over someone who was lost? When you spend the time and you say, God, I haven't come to you about me, but I have a cousin or I have an uncle or a brother. I'm praying for his or her salvation. They can't see. They're spiritually blind. I'm praying for his family. And then you turn your plate over and you fast in determination that they're going to come to know Jesus. You're determined they're going to get into the kingdom. When did you last pray someone into the kingdom? 
And here's an announcement for you. Someone prayed you in. I said, someone prayed you in. And you ought to take a moment and thank whoever that someone was. Because they prayed you in. Sometimes it was someone you hardly knew who prayed for you. Someone prayed for your mama before you were formed in her womb. They prayed that she would be born again one day. And you love your mama because she showed you Jesus. But big mama prayed for your mama and your mama was born again. Thank God someone prayed. Celebrate. Somebody prayed. Touched heaven so you would know Jesus. And third, prayer unlocks healing. Does anybody need healing? Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Do what? Pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing psalms. There you go, into the presence of God. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And what? The prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he's committed sins, he will be forgiven. Confess your trespasses to one another. And what for one another? Pray for one another that you may be healed. No one wants to practice that. They want to get on to the next verse. The effective fervent prayer of the righteous man avails much. What makes one righteous? How do I get there? If he confesses his trespasses, asks forgiveness from the Lord and from someone they've offended or been offended by, that makes you righteous. That makes you effectual. And there is now an open line to heaven because trespasses have been confessed and forgiveness has been instituted and healing is now released by the Lord. If we get serious about praying, God will bring healings to his people like we have never seen. People in the sanctuary. From time to time, we put our hand on the shoulder of someone and pray for them. Once in a while, we'll hold hands and pray for each other. All well and good. But there's another level. If there is confession, it makes you transparent. There are no harbored offenses. Forget the facade. You're in trouble and you need release. This is not religious exercises. I want my prayers to work. And if you want prayer to work, there needs to be transparency. You weren't wise holding on to that resentment. That was not smart, sinning openly and defiantly. It was not something God's going to bless when you became defiant and rebellious. Is this the New Testament church? This is what Jesus says it's supposed to look like. I've been reading it to you all morning, but the church has been messed up by the devil in our culture. And how did the devil mess this all up? By creating such distrust instead of trust. Disharmony instead of harmony. That people conclude you can't talk to church folk. They will tell your business. They won't keep a confidence. They will betray you. They'll go behind your back. The devil has bound the church up with lies and self-centeredness. He knows if there is ever confession and if there's ever forgiveness, there'll be a supernatural release from heaven and miracles will be poured out. The devil can't stop God, but he can intimidate God's people and bind them up and prevent healing. So the church has few miracles, but I'm announcing over you, Calvary Christian Center, someone's drought is over. I said somebody's drought is over. Well, the biblical recipe we have is amazing for healing. It's right there in James. And fourth, prayer births uncommon miracles. 
Call to me, and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. Stuff that never crossed your mind, I'm going to do. I wish I had the time to keep developing this, but I've got to move on. I'll, God help me next week. But I want to speak the manifested healing power of God over the body of Christ here. And I use this story as the context. There was a lady who had an issue of blood in Scripture for 12 years. Request, if I can just touch the hem of Jesus' prayer shawl, I know I will be made well. She didn't need to get his touch. She just wanted to touch him. Now watch. Sometimes physical healing is not enough. The lady comes for physical healing. She'd spent all she had on doctors and got no relief. She was in agony of body and in spirit. And through her determined faith, she presses through this humongous crowd that history tells us. You couldn't, you couldn't get through. So she gets down on the, floor, on the ground and she crawls makes her way, pushes people out of the way with a little strength she's got left. And she sees that prayer shawl. And she reaches and touches it. And Jesus stopped and asked, who touched me? And his disciples said, what do you mean who touched you? Everybody's bumping into you. No, someone with faith touched me. And Jesus turned to the woman and she confessed it was her. And Jesus said, your faith has made you whole. Now watch. She didn't just receive physical healing. She was made whole. Your faith has made you whole. Complete in all areas. And one might not have a physical infirmity in your body, but you still need to be made whole in your spirit, in your soul, or in your emotions. There's something troubling you, disturbing your peace. So you need more than a physical touch you need to be made whole. So you lift your hands with me this morning and make this confession. Lord, I have faith for healing. Come on, say, I have faith for healing. I will touch you and be healed. But Master, I want to press further. Not only do I want healing, I have another request. Make me whole. Come on, make me whole. In Jesus' name. And the word says this. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There will we receive his mercy. And we'll find grace to help us when we need it the most. Thank you, Lord. And because you were so bold in your request, he hears you. He heard Daniel the very first time he prayed. But the enemy battled against Daniel's prayers. So therefore, you lift your hands and you say, Master, thank you for making me whole. Say it again. Come on. Thank you for making me whole. Now put your hands together and bless the Lord, O my soul. And all that is within me, bless his holy name. The church that knew how to pray every day in their homes and read God's word every day in their homes and had large gatherings on weekends at synagogue and temple. Here's what happened as they broke bread and had communion. Now God worked unusual miracles by the hands of Paul. 
so that even handkerchiefs or aprons were brought from his body to the sick and diseases left them and evil spirits went out of them. We need to rebuild this altar. We need to come before him. There's more I've got, but I don't have time. It's time to leave. But he's not going to leave. He doesn't walk away. He's here. He's going to continue tonight and next Sunday until there's a breakthrough in our homes every single day as we meet and share the word of the Lord. Let's stand together and celebrate the goodness of God for a moment. Come on. Celebrate the goodness of God with me. Thank you, Lord.